More than one small country. It is a big idea. A new world order. Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories. A new world order. A new world order. I want the truth! But he that shall endure unto the end, the same, shall be saved. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Good morning and welcome to the Removing Confusion Podcast. Tom with you here. It's January 31st, 2022. We're only a few days away from the Chinese uh, Olympics, which I will watch not one second of. I'm not going to try to get into the whole decipher the opening to see what the New World Order has to say. There's others out there that have done that over the years and yeah you know it usually ends up being a a, a lot of real good hype and dropped Um, although I gotta admit some of it has been wickedly prophetic in a way but I gotta tell you we are on a precipice so to speak of world events and uh, we need to keep our eyes on it. We need to keep our eyes on it. I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more upbeat about the whole thing and uh, go with the, the idea that maybe this Russia deal over in Ukraine is a lot of uh, posturing, a lot of, hey, look over here. You know, focus so much on Ukraine and Eastern Europe, and Belarus, and Russia, and what they're doing over there. Keep your eye on that. You know, and and yeah, watch the Olympics. Don't miss that because there's a lot of money being made over here. And, you know, there's people that say about, well, let's get to that later. You know, there's a lot happening. You know, you got world in turmoil over here and world in some friendly competition over here in China. What are we doing? Why would we even entertain the idea of China hosting the Olympics at this particular time? Is the great red dragon getting ready to breathe fire? Well, we know they're not going to do anything for three weeks, probably. At least in China. That'd be ignorant for them when they could make billions off of this Olympic Games deal, the Winter Olympics. They make millions and billions and billions. And they can indoctrinate some people with their ridiculous ideas of, you know, uh, quarantining for 15 days and shot mandates and everything else. I pray that they don't force these athletes, which most of the countries they're coming from already mandate, a lot of them did, and they get out there and have a heart attack on the ski slope or the speed skating or the hockey or whatever. This could be the most disastrous Olympic Games we've ever seen as far as, you know, illness, sickness, and dropovers, as we've seen all around the world with other people in peak condition. And the only thing that ties them together is that shot. Uh, 
Oh, I can't help myself. A guitar solo always gets me. So close, how matter, matter how far. I'm telling you, how close are we? And, you know, that's not exactly what you would find on your Christian uh, store's shelves. That's Metallica. No, uh, what was the name of that song? Nothing Else Matters. Uh, it's Meaning is probably not what I'm portraying it as right now, but that's okay. We all we already know I'm a bit of a goof. But look, we are close to something, and it does matter. Um, there are so many different levels to the world that we're looking at. You know, it's like the uh, the old Star Wars show, the movie, the first one, which was one of the better ones. Uh, where the the Chewbacca and the robot guy are playing multi-level chess. You know, we're playing checkers again. We're we're back down to that. You know, uh back to the Barack Obama days of you know, feckless leadership that doesn't have any spirit about it, doesn't have any, you know, they they're working at an agenda to send this country into turmoil because that's what they want. And we're going to we're going to look at some things today. Over the over the past months, I've made mention here and there about uh Russian operatives that were embedded in your neighborhood, in your colleges, in uh all aspects of our American life without us knowing it. These guys were good. Uh, from from the studies that have been done, they could speak English better than most of us can. And believe me, you listen to me, you know that my English isn't always that great. I try to I try to keep it clipped and clean for the the show here, but you know I still fall back on my Ohio roots of talking. But anyway. They they uh they they studied the inflections. They studied everything about it. They they pounded into people. It was called immersion therapy. Uh, the border patrol uh, when they are trained or they used to be uh, at Glencoe, Georgia. When they go through their their training, they they were put into Spanish immersion training, where they were taught Spanish, and in that class that that system or that that section of uh, their training, that's all they were allowed to speak was Spanish so that they would learn it well. You know, now you, as, as, a, as a foreigner, you never seem to get the uh, nuances of different, you know, like here we have the northern dialect, the southern dialect, the western, you know, they all have a, you know, a tone to them, a different, uh, you know, mannerisms and such. Now, these guys did because they slipped them in. Now, they probably figured, well, we'll just teach how to speak New Yorkese and then, you know, drop into New York or Chicago or something like that, you know, just flat Midwestern speaking. It makes it easier. And, you know, if you make enough money, you can move wherever you want, you know, right? But uh, Or D.C. That's where they really want to settle these folks is in Washington, D.C. They had a... They had their agenda, and this agenda is going to be explained to us here in a moment by a Russian defector. Now, I looked at this video, and I watched it, and I listened to it, and I clipped a little bit of it because it's a very long one, and even so, the clip that I play for you today is going to be a little bit longer than I like to do, but uh, he says some things here that are very troubling because if you have your eyes open, if you're not a complete boob, you can notice it. Now, you may not have, you know, now listen to me. I'm not calling anybody a boob or a doofus or whatever. What I want you to understand is it takes your eyes being opened. It takes you being awakened to what has happened over the past 60 or 70 years, uh, mostly the last 60, 
from the 60s on. Uh, the years when I was born, and it seems like everything went downhill from there on. Now, let me tell you something. There's, there's nothing for you and I as Christians to get, oh, what's the word you want to use? If you use the wrong word, you get in trouble. Worried about, concerned about. You need to have concern and take it to the Lord in prayer. But please understand this one very important thing about this entire thing that we're going to look at and listen to is it's happened and it continues to happen. This guy, I like say, I clipped, I clipped this and chopped it a little bit. And uh, if I'm good with my word, which a lot of times I do forget, I'll try to put the, clip, the uh, URL, whatever you call that thing, the internet address to this video. And you can watch it in its entirety. But if you listen to these little bits and pieces, I think you get the idea. This is a Soviet defector. Now, this video itself is 40 years past. This was a, I don't even know if this guy's still alive. I, didn't, I don't actually have his name here. But 40 years ago, they did this interview with a Soviet defector. Now his accent of course is a little bit um uh, Russianish, but you know he speaks pretty good English. You can you listen close, go back and re re-listen again or whatever and you'll pick up on what he's saying. It's very very disturbing. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process, which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, actively мероприятия in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result? The result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are. St I, want, I want to clarify something. What, it, it was kind of hard to pick out that one word he used. He said most of the people from the 60s, graduates, from the 60s, they went through the others with dropouts and whatnot, are now in power. How many times have I said that? Not to pat my own back, I'm just saying. You know, and, and others like us that, that have studied or looked into this to some degree, these people like Nancy Pelosi, uh, Chuck Schumer, um, Mitch McConnell, the Bushes, the Clintons, all these people have, are graduates from the 60s, early 70s, mostly the 60s, the Vietnam hippie era, smoke drugs, have sex, carry on, do whatever you want because it's cool. And we're going to fight against the man and, until, you know, the man tells you he's shot, then Neil Young says, I'm getting off of Spotify. But I digress. These are the people who are now in power, and we can't get rid of them.
from them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain Contaminated and programmed to certain stimuli. Sorry. Pattern. You cannot change their mind, even if you, if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials, economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense, an economy. Uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis to promise people all kind of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with the benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. He will go to Moscow to kiss the bottoms of, of new generation of Soviet assassins. Never mind. He will create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. Situation is not under control. Situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media, and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. United States is in the state of war, undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course. Uh, it's, it's the system, however ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy. Whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. But you don't have to be paranoid about it. What, what actually happens now, that unlike myself, you have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. The, the time bomb is ticking with every second. The disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to. Unless you want to live in Antarctica with penguins. This is it. This is the last country of freedom and, and possibility. That last part should really, like, perk up the ears. You know, there's no place to go. I know people in uh, the past 20 or so years who uh, decided to go to places like Panama because they felt like, you know, they could take whatever money they had here and gold and silver or whatever and live rather comfortably down there. And, you know, they were, if you were old enough to collect your social security, the, uh, you know, you could, you could live on it because, you know, things were relatively inexpensive. Other, other places of South America, <clears throat> but I'm, um, excuse me. But as we go along, we see the destabilization, destabilization, of the entire South American, what do you call that, 
peninsula, whatever, down through there. It's always had the socialists in it. Okay? But look at Venezuela. It is no more, really. Argentina, toppling. Colombia, the drug cartels run. Mexico, if, you, if you're in the Mexican government, you try to go against the cartels, you're dead. If you're in the Mexican police force and you go against the cartels, you're dead. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody in the government, police force, and everything is, is sold out to them. It's just that, you know, even if they don't take their money, they're not going to fight them because they have armies. And that's the problem. The entities that want to take down governments are rife. They're all over the place. And then up here, we just elect them. We elect complete and total useless idiots, or as they call them in, they called them in Russia and other communist countries, they call them useful idiots, whom, as soon as they completed this process, they killed them off. Now, let's look at the uh, what this fellow said real quickly. I don't want to you know go over and hash, hash, hash. But I like to say, he, he's very good at what he's saying. And if you know and you have your eyes open, if, if you're, you know, even a little bit, you know that the, this nation changed drastically in the last 40, 50 years. The, uh, they, they, their, their thing to do is to change the perception of reality. Wow. So how'd they do that? Ideological, uh, the ideological changing of the perception of reality is to do the demoralization. Basically that means, you know, not that I'm going to take you and smash you down and demoralize you. They, they literally mean D slash moralize the entire country or a bulk of it. And that, you know, it, it, he said it takes 15 to 20 years to do that because you start, you start in first grade and you go all the way out to, you know, that third year of college. By then, you've, <laughs> they're warped. If your kids aren't being raised in a home that fears God or at least has some knowledge of God, they're in trouble. Now, we're talking about 40 years ago or 50 or 60. Now, luckily, I guess for me, I, I was never, I've never been a conformist to the man, as they say. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a rebel, but I've never really felt like, you know, I could, it's like critical thinking has to be done. Now, over the years, uh, I, I get, I, fallen for a lot of dumb stuff myself and we all have but we've got to learn especially now folks we're 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 running towards the end zone all the way around and we need to start serious critical thinking if that means you're critical that's fine i mean don't be over critical because people will really dislike you if you do that and you and you want to be able to be able to talk to people, especially young people. Get your kids in a good church. Now, a lot of churches, and we're going to talk about that really, are in the same boat here. Uh, but And I'm going to roll back to that. Uh, destabilization comes next. Remember, demoralization takes 15 to 20 years because they're not trying to get us older people. They were trying to get the youngins. And, you know, you send your kids to college, a good college, you know, Purdue and, and Harvard and Yale and all that, thinking they're going to get a oh, man, Ivy League, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they come back complete boobs. My friend Bill Randalls used to have a, a, a good analogy of what happens to a kid when he's going through college. I will try to remember. I'll find where it was he said. Because he did it well. You know, the first year they come back, they're all about, you know, Greenpeace. They come back second year, 
you know, and, and it goes on and on. By the fourth year, they hate everybody and they hate God and they're, and they're atheists. But uh, he did a real good job of it. All right, so 15, 15 to 20 years to demoralize. Two to five years to destabilize. Because now we got them demoralized, so it's easier to destabilize. These people are in power. They're upsetting the apple cart, basically. They're, they're taking us from what we used to be a constitutional republic to, uh, you know, we don't need the Constitution. We're just going to do what we want. We're going to throw that out. It's an old 250-year-old document, which means nothing. We haven't followed it for so long anyway, so why, why even talk about it? But, yeah, they'll mention, oh, the Constitution, yeah. Well, we need to amend that and on and on. So destabilization, two to five years. Crisis. We're going to spend a little time on crisis, okay? Crisis. If you can develop a crisis... You can destabilize, demoralize, and take over, for the most part, a country in six weeks. Six weeks. Think about that. 42 days. I don't have the hours down, but it's okay. Think about COVID. A crisis, a health crisis that cropped up from nowhere. Uh, December of 2019-ish. And then we didn't really get wind of it hard until it hit Seattle in 2020, January 2020. From the mid-January area of the of the time, mid-January, somewhere in there, I don't, I don't have the exact date, but even up to the end, about a year, two years, I'm sorry, two years ago today, things started to heat up. You know, rhetoric about uh, this horrible disease that goes around killing everybody that it comes in contact with. Of course, most of the folks that had gotten contact with it at that point were in skilled nursing facilities in their 70s, 80s, and maybe 90s. They're already, you know, in trouble health-wise. And God bless them. I love the old folks. But that's what was happening. And... You know, then it spread out, it got out, and started going around in the, in the community. So we have a crisis. And I'm going to tell you why. You think about it. When did we shut the nation down? Middle of March. Six weeks with a crisis. People were afraid to go out of their homes. I knew a guy who told me that. He says, my neighbor got it. And, he, you know, he says, I, I, I don't know how far that thing can travel. So... I'm I'm afraid to go out. He was in his 80s. That's how scared they had people. Do you realize how how insane that sounds now? How silly it really is. Let's say silly. That sounds now. That you're worried that your neighbor across the yard, maybe 120 feet away or 50 yards, whatever, even that amount, the small amount that you're afraid that that thing's going to come. It's got legs, man. It's coming for me. It's going to get underneath my door. I better put, you know, the, the vent stopper. What do you call that thing? This little bag full of beans that you put in front of your door. The, 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 uh, yeah, that thing. People freaked. The news went nuts. And freaked everybody out. We had 5,000 deaths today. We've had 10,000 deaths today. We've had 20,000. And ticker just kept running down there. For months. But it took about six weeks. To get this thing all the way up. And then shut down the country. I do believe that Mr. Trump. To this day, probably wishes he'd have never done that. I'm not knocking him. He he did what his advisors told him to do. His medical guys, who we are supposed to trust, who came on the TV every day, you know, be crying everything. Fauci and Burks. And yet they're still around. So what did that bring about? That COVID thing? Because I don't I even like don't even like talking about it. 
the COVID thing brought about free cash for everybody. You know, this is where he came in and said, you know, after the destabilization, you know, and all that, we now we have the, this promise of things, you know, free cash, uh, Big Brother's going to take care of it all, free Internet's going to come to you. You know, again, free, free pandemic money, free rent. Nobody can be evicted. And then after everybody could go back to work, nobody wanted to go back to work because they're making more money on unemployment, sitting at home, plus all these other benefits that they could get. Now, you know what? If you game the system, good on you for now. It'll come back and haunt you. but just do as we demand. That's, that's the bottom line, right? You do what we tell you to do. Put your mask on. Get your shot. Do this. Do that. Stay six feet apart. Don't have a party. Don't, you know, t- tattle on your neighbors if they see more than five cars in their parking lot or their driveway. That can't be going on. We got to stop that. So we actually turned our neighbors into the German version of the Stasi which was the secret police. Now everybody's the secret police. You can't do anything without worrying that your neighbor might snitch on you. Now here where I live, you don't have to worry about that. We don't, I don't care what my neighbors do. They're not going to hurt me. And they're going to hurt each other. They're going to be careful. This thing will get you no matter what. Now we got it down to the Omicron deal, which yeah, everybody's getting sick and they're walking away from it. Some of them are using unbalanced thought processes that I got the shot. So that's why I didn't get that sick. No, you didn't. You got the shot and it's still probably going to get you in the end. If you don't do something to counteract that, I don't know if you can, but we know that changing your DNA through anything is not good. And yeah, they're doing it to us with the food too, folks. I mean, everything we do, breathe, smell, touch, taste. But when I, I'm not going to willingly, go out and take something into my body from the medical profession, knowing that it's going to do something really bad in the end. Okay. Stop about that. Let's stay on topic today. Okay. Now I want you to think about something. I want you to think about something. This is at the government level. This is at the, the grassroots level. These guys come in and they do this, uh, ideological rearranging of people that's basically he was used the word brainwashed in there at one point re-educating demoralizing destabilizing bring about a crisis and then they say it's normal we're gonna this is normal now whatever it may be he was using yugoslavia or czechoslovakia as a as a, you know the tanks are on the streets oh, normalization has come everything is cool Really? Wait a minute. This isn't the nation that I grew up in. It doesn't look normal to me. It can't be normal the way it's now. But that's what they want you to feel. Normalization has come back. You can go to church. You can have your 4th of July uh, hot dog, but only one because we're going to ration them or something. You know, you can have Thanksgiving and Christmas and you know, it's normal again. The disease has gone away, but in its place somewhere things have changed that will never come back to normal. But when you get people time, you can change their ideas about what normal is or was. I still remember normal. And you you all need to as well. Don't forget what it was like to live before, say, 2018. <laughs> we'll leave 2019 out. 2019 was still good all the way to December. But remember those days when we didn't worry about everything? We didn't have to. When you walk around and you look at people and they look like aliens. They got those... They, those masks now with the pointy faces that stick out, you know, hor- they got a, what is that, horizontal, vertical? 
You got the horizontal ones. That's the ones that look like duck bills. That's an N95. But you got these other ones, these fancier ones. They look silkish, and they come to a little point in the front. They look like birds or aliens. They look like something from a sci-fi movie. And it's kind of it's kind of weird to me. I walk around the store, and I'm like, do you people realize? I mean, come on. Get up. Get up. I'm not wearing one, and I'm not dead. Now, you know, hey, my day will come. Everybody's does. It is up. It is appointed once for man to die and then the judgment. Okay, so we got crisis, normalization, normalization, come back. Now I want to talk about something that I said a little bit ago about what happened as well. We saw this happen in our nation. If you got your eyes open, now you can see it, that this is how it happened. And look at the morons in power. Now, look at if for you, uh, those of us who are Christian and go to church and have uh, been around churches for many years. I mean, going back to the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, when things were fairly normal. And then came a guy named Rick Warren and uh, Robert Schuler. They wanted to change the way church is done. It just wasn't good enough. Now, they didn't use crises as, so much, but they did destabilize it and they did demoralize it how'd they do that now oh well he's a moral man you can't say that no i can these guys twisted scripture then they quit using scripture for the most part they took the blood of christ out of things because it's too we can't have the bloody religion we can't have talk of all this blood and then he wanted to remove they did a lot of them removed the cross did away with their pulpit because it's too old-fashioned. Rick Warren basically said, you know, the pillars of the church, which are the older people in the church, the pillars of the church, and he played this game with words. Okay, I'm sorry. The pillars of the church hold things up. And that's a good thing, because they hold, you know, the roof from falling down on you. But also he says, look at it, you know, twisted his words around again and said, look, the pillars of the church, these old people, they're actually holding the church up. In other words, like, hey, hold up a minute. That kind of hold up. Not the type that keeps things from crashing on your head, but actually telling people, you know, wait, this doesn't seem like the right thing to do, you know, to remove the pulpit, the cross, and the blood to do away with the hymn book altogether. You know, that hymn book in a lot of, you know, I've had people give me all the reasons why there's no hymn book. They cost money. You'll spend thousands and tens. I'm yelling at the microphone now. Tens of thousands of dollars on fountains and fancy carpet and big video screens to project the hymn or if they even use hymns upon a screen when you could have just bought the books and stuck them in the pew. I'm telling you something about that book. When you open it up, you feel it, you know, it's, it's, it's in your hand. You're, you're interacting with it and not just stand there staring off at a screen like a boob. I did. I used boob too many times today, didn't I? A rube, a mindless drone. That book in your hand, it just feels like church, doesn't it? You know, they're usually old, and they got the old book smell to them, maybe, and it smells like church. You know, you take all this stuff away, and you demoralize, destabilize the church, and it's it's happened. You know, you go to some churches, man, you can't tell if it's church or a nightclub. The lights are off, the light, the, well, the main lights are off, and the flashing lights are on the stage and i love music man I, I used to be in a worship band we didn't do all that but you know with fancy lights or anything or smoke machines or whatever but we we yeah we we did play we played pretty intensely but uh you know i don't miss it i'm, I'm glad it's not a part of where i am at now because the hymns come back to theology good basic theology and when you start to take all those things out, like Mr. Warren Schuler and uh, 
can't remember the other guy's name uh, that was a big piece of it. This this other nimstick that said, we need to take the whole book of Romans and just rip it out of the Bible. Well, I wonder why. You know, Romans, good theologians have said, and you know some that are iffy, but Romans is the constitution of Christianity. So, you know, Brian McLaren was his name. Brian McLaren said, we should just take rip Romans right out of the Bible and not even use it. So you wouldn't know about the Romans road. You wouldn't know about, you know, uh, the wages of sin or death and on and on. You, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have that if you go to the new destabilized, demoralized church of McLaren and his cohorts. See how I'm saying is there's a parallel of how the world, how the country drops. They demoralize the country, and then the church goes along with it because it's like we want to we want to keep up. We want to keep up. Now, a while back, I've I, I say I've used this several times about Soviet spies running around amok in our society, and I have proof uh, of it. This this uh, this is like a little clip. It's a video clip audio. But it's understandable. It's a few minutes long. And I'm going to tell you something. This is just tip of the iceberg stuff here. Google, I'm sorry. Go to YouTube, however you get the YouTube. And you may be find these things on Rumble or BitChute or one of the other ones as well now. But it's called Ghost Stories. This is Operation Ghost Stories. This is what the... Uh, FBI called this thing when they did it. Very, uh, very enlightening, interesting deal. Here you go. Illegals. They were part of a deep cover spy ring of 10 Russian agents who over the previous decade had systematically infiltrated some of America's most secure and well-to-do neighborhoods. We saw a placement of these illegals literally across the continental United States. This was a continent-wide effort to place and penetrate with intelligence officers our society. The illegals spy ring had been unearthed by the CIA, but it would be the FBI's counterintelligence unit who'd run them to ground. The FBI codenamed the investigation Operation Ghost Stories and initiated round-the-clock surveillance on suspects across the continental United States. The FBI coverage and penetration of each and every one of these sleepers' homes and lives was pervasive and comprehensive. The decade-long surveillance would become one of the longest-running counter-espionage operations in FBI history. By now, the FBI's Operation Ghost Stories was focused firmly on the man they believed was the ringleader of the Russian illegals. Richard Murphy, the stay-at-home dad from Montclair, New Jersey. FBI surveillance footage revealed him engaging in fleeting information exchanges known as brush passes with his SVR handlers. Federal agents recorded other illegals making dead drops of documents and data even hiding packages of money in a park in Arlington, Virginia. But in time, the operation grew more sophisticated. In a span of a decade, we saw increasing technology being inserted into the operation. So we went from traditional brush passes and dead drops, but then we also saw added in the tech side, and it got higher and higher. The illegals sat in coffee shops and flashed messages from their laptops to suspicious vehicles parked outside. Coded texts were embedded in images posted online. Then came a red flag for the FBI. Cynthia Murphy's job in a New York accounting firm had given her access to influential clients. Cynthia Murphy was getting very close to a man named Alan Patrikoff. Alan Patrikoff was connected to Hillary Clinton uh, during a time when Hillary Clinton was considering a run 
for the U.S. presidency, and that got our attention. It was the kind of audacious gambit the FBI had been waiting for in order to make their move against the illegals. But almost immediately, the intelligence services received news that threatened to close down the entire operation. Richard Murphy had just bought a ticket to Moscow. The FBI feared Operation Ghost Stories had been blown. Now they had a problem. Any attempt to round up the illegals risked exposing the CIA's Moscow source, Colonel Alexander Potiev, the man who had revealed their identities. So there you are. That was from National Geographic Channel, I think. No, I'm sorry, Smith, Smithsonian. The Smithsonian TV channel did a documentary on Operation Ghost Stories. Look it up online, and that's just a smaller version of the, uh, it's like a synopsis of the whole thing. There's a, the whole video out there to watch. And you say, well, why do I care? Because you never know. And you know what? This is, the, this is how this thing happened. This is how we got to where we are, is being infiltrated by Soviet spies. It's easier. You know, you know it's harder for, the, uh, for a Chinese spy, even though that has happened over and over again. They use females <coughs> to uh, do their deals. But, you know, and, you know, I'm sure, you know, I'm not saying an Oriental cannot come over here and be a spy, but it's an awful lot easier to get a, a, a good old white Russian, give him a name like, you know, Murphy or whatever, and send him in. Now, you hear that, and this is so so awesome, what, the way they pulled it off. This is more of a modern era type thing. Uh, they had the, the guy, uh, I think his name is Gerald or whatever, he, he, he's a stay-at-home dad. And mom is a big shot with the uh, an accounting firm. So, you know, you got the stay-at-home dad, you know, Mr. Mom. And you got mom making the cash and bringing it in. Now it's very possible. This is a this is definitely probably an arranged marriage. They were put together as spies to do the thing. There is a TV show that was on the FX network, and I am not seriously promoting this thing. It's on it's on the Amazon Prime uh, thing now, called The Americans. And the Americans were was a show based on this type of thing. And, you know, of course, it's dramatic, and it goes into a lot of things, and they use language, and I'm not really fond of. But uh, in, the, in the end run of it, you know, you just see kind of an idea drama- dramatized of what they were doing. And this, this guy brings it right to you that, hey, they're, they're right there next door. Or they're in your school teaching your children, your college teaching your college kid. Or now they're sitting in levers of power known as Congress, Senate, and the White House. We are in deep trouble right here in the United States. Now, um, we're going to talk about, we're gonna let, I got, I've got clips today. I'm playing a lot of clips, and I'm going to go longer than I normally do, I think, but that's okay. You can listen to me as you wish, but just please do listen. We're going to switch gears a little bit. We haven't talked a lot. We're talking a lot about Russians <laughs> and, and, and how, how they infiltrate, how they destabilize and demoralize a nation and bring it to its knees. So that they can do a soft takeover. They don't even just shoot at us. I mean, oh, was it Khrushchev or Gorbachev or one of those guys that said, you know, we'll take, we'll take America down without firing a shot. And we got Joe Biden. So how close are we there? Huh? How close? Really? Think about it. All right. You got four more minutes of being able to listen to somebody besides me yammer on Mark Levin with Tom Cotton. The fact of the matter is China... Russia, and they're not alone, are building militaries against us. 
Russia's not building a military against Ukraine. They don't need all that hardware, all that technology, all those troops just for Ukraine. China's not building the biggest Navy, killer satellites, and so forth, because of Taiwan. They're building them because of us, us, the United States of America. Do we act as a government like we're serious about confronting this? Do we act as a government like we need to become uh, more reliant on our own manufacturing and our own products? Do we act as a government that we need to secure the border and make sure the United States is safe from within? Do we act as a government that we use our financial priorities wisely, not redistributing wealth, not creating new massive entitlements, not breaking the back of the American taxpayer, but ensuring that our military has everything it needs to potentially fight more than a, than a one-region war? This is very, very serious business, ladies and gentlemen. The hackers and the hawkers and the soapbox loudmouths are not the people to listen to. AOC does not have any experience when it comes to the military, uh, and most of the people in the Senate don't either. But we, the people, one day that may be our children and grandchildren that have to fight. This isn't about hawks. This isn't about doves. This is about prudence. It's about judgment. It's about doing the right thing. How many of our leaders have gone on television or radio and spoken to us truthfully in a straightforward manner about the threats that this, fun- this country faces? And that's Russia and China. What about Iran? Iran is months away from having nuclear weapons. This is a regime that makes it abundantly clear what it intends to do to us, let alone the Arabs and our allies, the Israelis. You think we can ignore this forever? We have an administration that's bending over backwards, not just appeasing the Iranians, paying them, begging them to come to the table and agree to an agreement that they'll never honor. This is a regime that hates us. They are fanatics. They are zealots. They're not going to be persuaded otherwise. I mean, even mullahs with nuclear weapons, folks, are a threat. This is the situation today. Because if aggressive powers like Russia and China and Iran think that they can test the resolve of America and they can get away with it, it only emboldens them to push even harder in ways that uh, will threaten our core interests. Look what happened in 2013 after Barack Obama refused to enforce his own red line in Syria. Within months, you had Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine for the first time. You had China building and militarizing islands in the South China Sea to threaten American trade flows through there. You had Iran pushing even harder for what became a terrible nuclear deal. So if, say, Xi Jinping looks at Vladimir Putin, should Putin invade Ukraine and get away with it with nothing more than a few mealy mouth sanctions, he may decide it's time to invade Taiwan a land where we have more than 22 times the amount of trade that we have with Ukraine, or that is vital to our military posture in the Western Pacific. So the reason that Ukraine matters is not just because Ukraine is a democracy, and we always want to stand with democracies where we can around the world, but because it is a dire, dire risk to America's credibility and strength if we simply let strong men like Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping think that they can rewrite the international rules of the road. And that's what we're doing. We're sitting back. Uh, Barack Obama drew the red line in Syria, said if you use new, uh, what is it, chemical weapons, we're going to come after you. Or that, that is the one thing. That you can't do. Because if you do it, we will bring to bear upon you the full weight of the United States military. And when they did it, we did nothing. What did we do? We sent a sternly written letter or an email or a phone call that said, oh, Assad, what are you doing? Now, there's a lot of conspiracy talk that. The weapons were never really used, blah, blah, blah. They were trying to goad us into something. I don't believe that. They probably did use them. Maybe they were a little weaker than they should have been. I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not getting all that. But I will get, we'll say this. 
the perception of weakness in a nation is not a good thing. We are not Luxembourg, which is a little dot of a nation there in Europe. Now, I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying we're not them. We're not a, we're not a, a little you know, nation. We're not Switzerland where we can say, well, we're, we're neutral. No, we're not. We're not Malta or the Rock of Gibraltar or something. We're the United States. And like he said, and he's right, they're not building up huge militaries in Russia and China, North Korea, didn't get mentioned, but well, just a quick news news article on that is, um, give me one second, because I just saw this and I thought, North, North Korea conducts the most powerful missile test since 2017. Weapon reaches altitude of 1,200 miles, travels 500 miles before landing in the sea off Japan in country's seventh launch this month. So since 2022 started, North Korea's popped off seven missiles. That's about two a week. Those aren't cheap, but they're testing them. 1,200 miles up. Doesn't say how fast they were moving. But see, right now, everybody's trying to develop these hypersonic missiles. Now, I know those are all scientific terminology, but what that basically means is they move somewhere around two to three times the speed of sound. 15,000 miles an hour can circle the earth in a half an hour or an hour. They pop those things way up into the, you know, space and then zip right back down on top of you. You know, once they perfect these things to the point where they can hit what they want to within the space of a quarter, we're done. They can they can take us out. We are going to need some serious missile defense, and we don't have anything at this point that I know of that can take out a hypersonic missile. And they've got submarines, the Russians do, already with these things on them. I talked about this one night uh, in my church. I said, look. They posted three or four of these submarines, broke through the ice. This was back last winter, I think. No, actually, it was in the summer, uh, June or July. It must be May or June, somewhere in there. That, uh, you know, these these Russian subs, they had four of them that were with, with those hypersonic missiles were within a half hour of New York City. Those missiles, if they wanted to pop one off, it could have hit New York City in half an hour. Do you ever really sit and consider you have heard the whistle go off and the alerts everywhere, and you've got a half an hour, 29 minutes, 28, 27, 26. How many of your family might be wiped out, your friends, or you? What do you do? Do you get scared or you just say, Lord, I'm ready. Come and get me. Because that's really all you have in the end is your relationship with God, Jesus Christ. See how I did that. Preacher phase coming in. No. Um, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea. North Korea testing these things left and right. Russia playing around. You know, the Chinese are being real quiet now because the Olympics, but you know, after the Olympics, are they going to run towards Taiwan like they've been wanting to do? And why? Do, what do we worry about Taiwan? Taiwan? Why? why? Because <laughs> we have a lot of uh, industrial and electronic stuff that flows out of Taiwan to here. You know, we're already having trouble building cars here in the United States because we can't get the computer chips to do it. So there it is. Taiwan does supply some of that stuff. And China's talking serious about popping them. You know, they're going to sit back and see if, if, if Russia decides to hit 
Ukraine, the, the calculations by the, the, the uh, experts is two days. They'll have the Ukrainian military bollocksed. Two days. Those Russians don't play. They know how to fight in the winter, too. Well, Ukrainians do, too, but they don't have what it takes. They surrendered all of their nuclear weapons back to Putin when the wall fell. There was treaties and contracts and contacts, and all these nations that, let, that got out of the Soviet Union, the USSR at the, at the time, they gave or they said, here, take, you can have the nukes. We just want freedom. Well, that's going to work out well for you. Now they have all the nukes, and you've got nothing. You've got peace shooters, you know, AK-47s and tanks maybe, but you ain't got nothing when it comes to a nuke. You can't even counteract it, and they won't, they won't use them. They, they don't want to nuke Ukraine. I'm going to tell you why. I know it's going late, isn't it? I'll tell you why they won't want to u- nuke the Ukraine. The Ukraine is, uh, I keep saying the, all right, Ukraine has good black soil. Now, anybody that knows farming and, and that kind of thing knows that black, rich soil grows things. And Russia, you know, it's cold. They don't have much of a growing season. They need to get as much yield out of the field as they can. That black soil does bring you some real good yield in the field. I'm not trying to rhyme to be cool. It's just the way it fell out. But listen, they don't want to nuke them. So I don't, I don't perceive any nuking going on. They don't need to. You know, this is going to be, if they hit, they're going to hit hard, fast, and be done. We got a blitzkrieg. And it, it could happen at any time. You know, Vlad Putin is not going to say, we're coming tomorrow at noon. No. He might say that, and while he's saying it, they're hitting him. So, you know, don't expect a, a Barack Obama kind of thing or a Joe Biden. Well, we're coming in, or George Bush. We're coming in on the 6th. No, he's just going to show up. They're going to rush that border, and it's going to be over before they know it. It's all over, like they say. It's all over but the crying. Now, you know, when you, when you mix this in, and I've done this before, Iran, China, and Russia. These are not backward, stupid countries. These are not peoples that are, you know, under the veil, so to speak. They don't know anything. They have good scientists. They're very methodical. They're very well equipped with war knowledge, how to attack an attack on so many different fronts, not just militarily, but intellectually. Especially the Chinese and the Iranians. Now, you know, the uh, Russians are closer to being Asiatic or Oriental in their mindset and thinking than they are Occidental or, you know, Western. They have a more of an Eastern methodology. Methodology. So you're, we're talking about some very, very serious enemies that we have. North Korea is a little crazy, but they can be they can be sapped into doing whatever they want. They could use them for their their suicide squads, you know. Uh, but the Iranians, you know, that's the old analogy. The Iranians, they they they've developed the game of chess. And the Russians perfected it. The Chinese have a a game that they call Go. That's the English name for it. And it is one of the most difficult tactical games, you know, board game type thing. And they use it for a lot of uh, weeding out people for certain positions of power. You know, it's got the black, it's got little black uh, discs, black and white discs. You know, of course, it's like chess. You got the black and the white. And uh, it's supposedly the hardest game in the world to perfect because there's so many outcomes to it. So these, these, you know, and do games mean anything? Sure do. 
when you really break it down there's there's a lot of there's a lot of it's the intellect the ability to think so far ahead of your opponent now and you have to figure both of these guys know to play how to play chess or go or whatever and they're both thinking five moves ahead somebody always has to lose though don't they now what are we playing we've got joe in the office i've said it before and we've said it we've all said it before they're playing checkers and go we're playing or i'm sorry they're playing chess and go and we're playing checkers if that i mean if that i mean we might be playing go fish because they're they're so far beyond what we can do mentally leadership wise because the leadership that we have is is diminished even in the military you got mark milley who hurts me to say joint chief staff in the army four star general that is more worried about his whiteness than he is anything else. Folks, I know I've gone for a little while today, and and I don't apologize because there's a lot of stuff out there that I want you to know. If you feel like I've overstepped something, you're welcome to tell me. If you think I'm on the wrong track, tell me. We'll we'll get together and talk about it. I'm always open for discussion. You can find us on Facebook, MeWe, Getter, Minds, M-I-N-D-S. There's another one out there called Codius. All these, you know, uh, Gab, Brighteon, Brighteon Social. Uh, I'm trying to get the podcast on every platform I can. It's not that I support all the platforms, but. I do for the most part, and except for Facebook, I don't like them at all. But I have a lot of friends on Facebook that they wouldn't catch it if, uh, if I didn't kind of give them something to think about. You also have Spotify, iTunes, Speaker, Spreaker. I'm sorry, Spreaker, and a, and a few other ones that uh, a- Anchor has uh, graciously got us onto. So we're on like six or seven different listening platforms. And all kinds of social media platforms um, down the road, if if need be or can be, I I, I want to develop my own web page for this thing, and uh, and get it going. I mean, you know, we're not to build us up here, but because there's a lot of stuff going on. Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine. Get into it, folks. Read it. Because I think if I keep my promise, I'm not going to promise, okay? If I, if I keep what I'm saying right now, we're going to break that down a little bit and see if we can make sense of it in the common era. This is Tom Richardson, January 31st, 2022, with Removing Confusion Podcast. Until next time, have a great day. Look up. Your redemption draweth nigh.